0: Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for his purpose and his kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. And Merry Christmas. Awesome. Thank you so much. I feel so much more loved than last week. Last week was like a Merry Christmas grumbling, but it is December 13th. So we are halfway there to Christmas. So uh, can we thank our worship team for leading us this morning? They're awesome. I'm going to have the the famous Mr. Gary Gall stand up here just because he's handsome and looks good on a guitar. So he's going to stay. All right, so uh, as we have been engaging in Advent, that has been the theme, that has been the focus, uh, that has been my prayer for us over this Advent season is to engage, engage, engage. And so, uh, I want you. We'll just, you know, uh, raise your hand. Uh, do you feel like you've you have you're doing that? You're engaging in the Lord during this Advent season. Raise your hand if you feel yes. Awesome. No shame if you're not, but you still have time to get there. So. We have lots of ways for you to engage. One is that on your chair, you should have a, an Advent calendar. And so on this calendar, um, it, it should have things for you to do every day. It, does, it, it shouldn't have that. It does have that. Things for you to do every day. And so you are already, if you've never, if you have yet to participate in our Advent calendar this year, you are already participating in one right now because today... December 13th says, attend Sunday morning service or church at home. So whether you're watching church at home or here uh, this morning, you are engaging in that. The other thing that we have going is we have our Christmas tree over here. Does our Christmas tree look a little sad? Yes. Okay, so uh, what we're going to be doing with our Christmas tree is I'm asking each week we're going to be interacting as a church with this Christmas tree Um, and so your assignment for today was to bring an ornament and put it on the tree. So if you have not put your ornament on the tree now, you can come up and you can do that. You can hang it. Don't worry. Your ornament doesn't have to be socially distanced. You do, but your ornament can snug right up next to someone else's. You are going to get it back. Oh my gosh, I thought that was going to fall. I seriously thought that is the saddest ornament ever, but put it on there. We love it. Oh, I'm sorry. It's an heirloom. I love it. That's the most magnificent ornament. If you didn't bring an ornament today, have no fear. In the brown box on the back, there are some ornaments over there. They're little. Go ahead and grab one um, and come and hang it on the tree wherever you would like, wherever you can find a spot. And I don't know how you feel about Christmas trees. What I've realized in my adulthood is that Christmas trees have a, a. There's a lot of variety in Christmas trees and what they look like and how they're decorated. So our Christmas tree at home, we actually have two of them. One of them is kind of the. Um, one of them is upstairs with the kids, and really it's an overflow tree. We have so many ornaments that we have an overflow tree upstairs. But we have homemade ornaments. We have nice ornaments. Shea Shay Shay likes to buy. I don't mean Shea Shea, where are you Shea Shea? Not you like to buy, we like to buy ornaments when we go and visit places and we put them on the tree and then, and we have them from childhood and everything. So that's what our tree looks like. Your tree may look a bit more, um, shall we say, pure one, right? You may have all the matching ornaments, they may be properly spaced. You may have bows on the tree, all that sort of thing. And I even have a friend that their tree has no ornaments. And I pointed out, I went to the house, I was like, your tree has no ornaments. He's like, he's, they told me it's for aesthetic reasons. It's like, oh man, that is not the Toman uh, way of decorating a tree. So if you come to our house, our tree uh, is covered and it's compact. And so I love these ornaments. We got one of Keller here with this smiling face. Um, we've got a little bell. This is great. So thank y'all for bringing in an ornament. You will get that ornament back. So we're going to leave them on here, but you will get it back. So our assignment next week, if you didn't bring an ornament, you can bring one next week or you can bring a second ornament. Our assignment next week with the tree is we're going to bring gifts to put under the tree, right? The Christmas tree celebrates during this time of Christmas is this tradition, this thing we do. We gather around the Christmas tree. We surround it with ornaments. We put it in the center of our living room. It kind of serves as this, as this place of unity when it comes to Christmas, and of course we put we put presents under there and then sunday morning we all gather around and we unwrap those gifts so next week you're going to bring a gift for the tree so but we're going to tell you what you're going to be bringing so there's a ministry that we've begun kind of partnering with and worked with a bit uh, that we've connected through Karen Green and Mr. Gary Gall and Sean, and who leads our missions team, has met with her. And it's called a Walking by Faith. And it's a ministry that serves women that, uh, are women that are homelessness and homelessness as well as women that are in incarceration. And so what you're going to do next week is you're going to bring a gift. Uh, uh, we have a list of women hygiene products that they're asking for. Now, those products are very specific so you can't just go out and buy anything. They, they need a specific product because they're approved to bring into the prison system and they don't need to flag them. And so um, I'm going to send out, not me, we are going to send out a list this week that lets you know what those gifts are, exactly what they are, and we're going to link to them. You can buy them at Walmart, the grocery store, that sort of thing, and we're going to link to them. You're going to wrap them and bring them and put them under the tree. And so next, so on Monday morning, we're sending out an email. If you are unsure or not whether I have your email, you can do two things. You can either write on a, uh, we have guests by our little, um, our box where we tithe. We take our tithe and offerings. There's cards over there. You can write your name and your email on it and stick in the box and I will be sure that you get it. Secondly, you can go to our website and sign up through our newsletter. There's a link there. If you're participating through church at home, uh, you can put your email, actually don't put it in the chat box. I don't know. That seems weird. Uh, send it in a, you can put a message, send a message to the vessel on our Facebook page and send it there. And that Monday morning, I'll send you out a link. And so you're going to bring, you're going to wrap it, you're going to bring it and you're going to leave it next week under the tree. Does that sound good? So that's another way that we are uh, participating in Advent this year as we're trying to use this as a symbol of unity and us coming together um, as a church. So I don't know, like, like the Christmas tree is that symbol and most of us have one in our home. I'll confess that the Christmas tree is my least favorite part of Christmas and that sometimes I begrudge the Christmas tree because our Christmas tree is... Um, is terrible. So it's great, but we keep it in the attic. It's a pre-lit tree. We got to hand it handed down from my mom years ago. It's old, and I have to get it out of our attic door, and it does not quite fit. And so I, I get there, and we're like, oh, we're gonna decorate the tree. It's after Thanksgiving, and I dread it. And I don't... And I, it's not so secret that I dread it. I kind of complain and whine to the kids. And, she, and after I pull it out and jam it through the doorway, and then I set it up, and then I get it all plugged in, and we fluff the leaves, and we have all these strands, and it's pre-lit, I plug it in, and, and less than half the lights work. It is a sad state. So this, I feel very at home with our half-decorated tree. So we plug it in, and half the lights work. And I have this little light gun. Does anyone have one of those where you click, 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 and it'll fix the lights? No one? It's amazing. And it works about 75% of the time. So if you come over to our house during the Christmas season, you can see our tree. And so now we also celebrate, we, we put a second tree upstairs in the kids' area. And so this year I was putting that tree up and I'd already put the one up downstairs and I was a little bit frustrated. I'm sure no other dad in the room or online can relate. So I put the one upstairs. And I get it into the base and the base is broken and I find this base, but it doesn't quite fit this tree. And so I'm like, I find screws and I've got pieces of wood. It is the jankiest Thing I've ever seen, and so I mean, I just I just rig it up. I need Scott Marshall to come help build me an official base. It is like the Leaning Tower of Christmas Tree, and so it's in there and it's leaning. And I get it up, and, and I'm frustrated. I'm getting the lights on it, and I'm, I'm like sweating. I start getting hot. And Keller is so sweet. My middle son, he's there to help me, and then he does something. I can't even remember what it was. Now I don't know if he knocked something over, or if he did some of the lights. and I'm like, go into your room. I'm decorating the street. Go into your room. And he's like, you know, I told him not to do something, he goes into his room, I get all set up, I plug it in. I'm like, Keller, come out here and enjoy this Christmas tree. And I was like, I'm sorry, buddy, I'm sorry, I got frustrated. But like, we all have those moments, and that's a Christmas tree for me. So, um, our focus this week, if you've been participating, is, um, is anticipation. And what it looks like to anticipate Christmas. Now, if you think about Advent, anticipation isn't one of the common words that you might focus on. Hope is common. Love is common. Joy, those sort of things. Anticipation isn't the most common word. But I think when we think about Christmas, is there any word that better describes Christmas than anticipation? It is very appropriate. Our kids, when we talk about anticipation, they know what that feels like. And that feeling of anticipation, that emotion of anticipation, Sunday morning, or not Sunday morning, yes, Sunday morning, but Christmas morning, they're going to get a gift, Santa's going to come, all those sort of things. There's all this anticipation that's built up around this season. And so as we think about that word and that concept that goes along, our heart this morning is to look at what we're anticipating the Lord to do. And so, if you were here last week, um, I'm gonna read through our story this morning that comes from Luke chapter one. But I want it to, uh, rather than just reading through, through scripture, I wanna take our time and I want it to be um, a bit more like this story that we're entering into. So Mr. Gary is gonna play on guitar. J- Jacob is gonna put some um, video up on the screen. And I want you to engage with the story. So our story is the story of Gabriel, visiting Mary and telling her that she's going to conceive a son and that that son shall be named Jesus that he is the Christ he's the one that's been promised he's the one that for generations for generations they've been anticipating and Mary in our story there's a few things there's one interesting thing about the story is that the Christmas story uses something called dramatic irony If you're an English major in here, like Trevor Ayer, who's serving in Vessel Kids, dramatic irony is a literary tool where the reader knows more than the characters. So we enter into this story. It's a story we know. We know the characters, but we know more than they do about what's going on. Mary is a young Jewish teenage girl. She loves God. She's lived a life that is honoring that is pleasing, that is faithful to the Lord. And this teenage girl is engaged to be married to this man named Joseph. Joseph is from the line of King David, who is also a God-loving, God-fearing Jewish man that's dedicated his life to Christ. And when we think of him, when we hear the word engagement, their engagement is not like what we think about. Mary and Joseph didn't meet somewhere in the market and begin a relationship. They've been, this is an arranged marriage. From since they were kids, they've been planned to be married. And Mary has been faithful to her husband, to her soon to be husband. And she's visited by Gabriel, an angel of the Lord. And Gabriel is famous in scripture for delivering messages. And he comes to her and he delivers her this message. It's the same message that 550 years before, Gabriel visits Daniel and tells him the same thing, that the Messiah will come. A baby will be born to a virgin. In fact, six months prior to this moment, Gabriel visits Mary's cousin and the husband of Mary's cousin, Zechariah. Now, when we think cousins, a lot of us think uh, someone who's our same age, uh, a cousin that we've grown up with, that we've been playmates with. But Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, is significantly older than her, that she's much more like an aunt. And she's never had children, and she's considered barren. Zachariah and Mary, I mean, excuse me, Zachariah and Elizabeth have, have never been able to have a child. And here they are in their old age. And six months prior, the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and he tells him, your wife, Elizabeth, will conceive a son. She will bear a son and he'll be the cousin to the Messiah. And he will make straight the path of the Lord. Luke 1, Gabriel says this to Zechariah, says he will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many people. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He's a cousin of the Messiah that's coming to make straight the pathway of the Lord. So our story picks up in Luke chapter 1 with Gabriel visiting Mary. In the sixth month of of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his name will be Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Highest. The throne of his father, David, the Lord God will give to him. He will rule Jacob's house forever. No end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called holy, the son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son as old as she is? Everyone called her barren. And here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing, you see, is impossible to God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say. Then the angel left her. Let's stand and pray. Dear Lord, I thank you. God, so much that we can read a story that we've heard since childhood. God, that we've seen in pictures and images. God, that we have pieces that we lay out a baby in a manger every year. God, but we can hear this story And the power of your word cuts to our heart, divides bone from marrow, soul from spirit. God, and we thank you so much that you would love us so much that you would send your son, that your word became flesh and dwelt among us. God, I pray for this morning. God, as we get into your word, God, would you just breathe God, would you just breathe upon us right now? God, would we have the attitude of Mary, here I am, Lord, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. God, would that be our hearts? God, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for the anticipation that we have for who you are and what you're doing. We pray these things in your name. Amen. You can be seated. Can we all thank Mr. Gary Gall? Thank you, Gary. So uh, as I said, this is a story that we know really well. And I think it's important that we take time to look at. And that this idea and the spirit of anticipation is really evident in this story. As we look at Mary, as we look at the visit that she got from Gabriel and the news that Gabriel gave her. And I don't know if you guys had a chance this week to uh, watch the Wednesday Wisdom. Did y'all see the Wednesday Wisdom this week that Lindsay did? Um, It was just great in this idea that who Mary was and then this idea of what God was asking of her to do. And so I want to look through this. And as we as we focus on this concept of anticipation, I want to first define what anticipation is. So according to Wikipedia, which is never wrong. Anticipation is an emotion involving pleasure or anxiety in considering or awaiting an expected outcome. So it's an emotion involving pleasure or anxiety and considering or awaiting an expected outcome. So I think first and foremost, we need to understand that anticipation is a feeling. It is an emotion. It's the reason that kids get so giddy and excited as they see gifts under the tree. It's the reason that your kids... On a Monday morning, when you're getting them up to go to school, oh, I'm tired and begrudging and I can't get out of bed, and you're dragging them out of bed. But on Sunday morning at 5 a.m., if any other parents can relate, they're bolting downstairs. they're excited. It's an emotional feeling, right? But what's also important to understand about anticipation, and this is what we sometimes forget, is that anticipation isn't always a positive emotion. It's not always a positive emotion, that it, it... Not only can it be excitement and anticipating something that we're excited about, it can also look like fear or anxiety or dread. And so when we think about anticipation in our own lives and what we're anticipating from the Lord, I want you to consider that. I want you to really consider what am I anticipating? What are the things that this year I'm anticipating? And so as we walk into this Christmas season, I don't know if it's busyness. I don't know if it's a holiday plan. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you are anticipating the end to 2020, whatever it is, but we all have this feeling of anticipation. And so I want us to look biblically at the what Mary experiences and how she responds and what she's anticipating. And so uh, a couple of things that, that we need to understand first and foremost As I said up front, Mary is a faithful Jewish girl. She has loved God, dedicated her life to the Lord, and she has a very nice laid out plan for her life. She's met this man, Joseph, that she's engaged to, um, that she's been faithful and waiting for, and I know that what she's anticipating is the life that she's going to live with him. The family that is going to come out of it, the honor that she's going to bring to her family, the honor that she's going to bring to God, and all the things that she's done up until this moment, many of us would look at her life and think, wow, she's really, what she's done is good. What she's done is faithful. What she's done is right. And then she gets this uh, visit from this angel, and he tells her that she's going to uh, conceive a son. And so there's a few things uh, that happens here. And I want us to look at. The first is this. is The first thing the Lord does is he reminds her. The first thing the Lord does is he reminds her. Now instead of the angel jumping right into the miraculous conception, he first reminds her about who she is. Um, in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 28 in our scripture, and this is the King James Version, because I think it puts it clearest. If Maddie Parker was here, she would be excited about that. So... Luke 1, says, and the angel came unto her. This is right when he comes, the angel comes unto her and says, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. The first thing the angel does is he reminds her who she is. He reminds her who she is and where her identity lies. And he tells her three really important things. He first tells her that she is highly favored. He says, thou art highly favored. The second thing that the angel tells her is that the Lord is with you. And the last thing that the angel said to her is that you are blessed among women, that she is blessed. So he tells her that she's highly favored, that she, the Lord is with her, and that she is blessed. And the Lord begins this way because he knows, I, I don't ever know if you know what it's like to break bad news to someone, but I will give you a little clue. Buttering them up ahead of time never hurts, right? If you've got to tell someone bad news, it's always great to butter them up first. And so maybe the angels buttering her up because what he's about to drop on her and this news is pretty substantial, but he starts with reminder who she is and that he knows how hard it's going to be for her to hear. Notice that he doesn't start by saying what she's done, Notice he doesn't start by saying, you've been so good, you've been so faithful, you've been a really good Jewish girl, way to go on all these things, but he talks about her identity and her identity in Christ. He doesn't say, Mary, you've been chosen because, man, you live in a really good neighborhood that's really safe, and you've got great neighbors, and you got a great school system. This is really good. So I've chosen you for the Messiah because this is good or say, oh, that I've chosen you because you live in a palace and he's gonna be the king of kings and the lord of lords. No, that he doesn't talk about what she's done or the things that she has accomplished to be chosen, but he reminds her who she is in Christ and what her identity is. And so as we think about anticipation, as we reflect in our own lives, I wanna ask you, do you know who you are? Not what you've done, not where you've been, not your reputation, good or bad, not your experiences, good or bad, not your education, good or bad, not your qualifications, good or bad. Do you know who you are in Christ? Because the truth is, is that you are highly favored. The truth is, is that the Lord is with you. The truth is, is that you are blessed. And these things that the angel says to Mary are also true about us as Christ followers. So when we look at our lives and we make all these plans and we have all these expectations about what's going to happen and where things are going to go and what we're going to do, they're good, well-laid plans, But oftentimes, we get so distracted by those things that we start looking down at our feet and we forget who we are in Christ. So I want you to know this morning, as you consider your own life, you are highly favored. I want you to say out loud, I want you to say, I am highly favored. Now you can look to the person you're socially distanced to and look at them and tell them, you are highly favored. we are highly favored. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, in him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Is that God has looked at your life and he has said you are highly favored and he chose you and he created you he knows the hairs on your head. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a great verse that we like to put up at weddings and stuff. Like, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But the, the translation really says, the Lord, I think the things I think about you, declares the Lord. The Lord thinks about your life, that he considers you, that he knows you, and that you are highly favored and that you are chosen by God. To the point that he said he is not okay with being separated from you. He's not okay that your sin has become so great and cast you out of relationship with him that he sent his son. I have two boys. I couldn't imagine sending them down or sending them out to be sacrificed. As Jesus on the cross died and said, my God, my God how you have forsaken me. I just imagine as a father what that feels like. So I want you to know as a Christ follower, you are highly favored. I also want you to know that the Lord is with you. At the very end of Matthew chapter 28, the last sentence of the gospel of Matthew, the great commission, Jesus leaves them with this. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. We talked last week about the hope that we have in Psalm 23 about about being through the valley of the shadow of death, that God never forsakes us, God never leaves us, doesn't matter where we've gone, what we've done, where we've been, is that God is with us. And then he tells us that you are blessed, not Ephesians one eleven. that is not right, that you are blessed. We know from scripture you're blessed. All right. So I want you to remember that. First and foremost, as we consider what we're anticipating in our lives, what we're anticipating the Lord to do, said you are highly favored. The Lord is with you and that you are blessed. And so he starts that conversation with Mary, reminding her about those things. And then he goes on as that he calls her. The second thing he does is he calls her. In verse 31, he says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end, is that the angel comes and he tells her what he is going to do and what he is calling her to do. And the truth is, is that a calling from the Lord tells us what God is going to do through our lives, Not not what we are to go out and do for the Lord. And sometimes that, that, that delineation seems small. But how often do we walk out and think, okay, Lord, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to live this life. Here's the plan I have. Here's the plan I've set up, Lord. Now I want you to bless it. I want you to bless it because here's what I'm going to do for you. And to truly receive a calling for the Lord, which every one of us is called. That's the only reason. If you call Christ your savior and your Lord and you have been born again. The only reason that you have a beating heart and are still in this earth because you have a calling on your life. And when that calling is over, your time is done. And so a calling is what God is going to do in and through your life, not what you're gonna do for the Lord. Um, you know, I remember whenever Shay and I first started out and we were married and we had kids, we were both teachers Um, And when we had our first daughter, Sloan, uh, Shay and I talked and prayed about what would it look like for her to stop teaching and to stay home and be a mom. And Shay really struggled with that. She really struggled with that because she was a good teacher. She loved what she did. She was good at what she did. I was an okay teacher, but Shay was really good at what she did. And she struggled with that idea. And she said, you know, like I'm gonna come home, I'm gonna stop teaching and I'm gonna just be a mom. She said, I have a hard time thinking like my value and my purpose and what I'm doing that now I'm just a mom. And so faithfully, she stepped away from her job teaching to stay home with our firstborn and our daughter Sloan. Then after about a year's time and we saved up and we planned for it and after about a year's time, um, a job opened up at the church that we were going to. And it was in children's ministry, and it seemed like a good fit for Shay. And she thought, gosh, I can't. I'm not ministry. I've never done that. I don't think I can do that. But faithfully, she said yes to considering that job. So she, she got this job. She started working in ministry, and she was great at what she did. And then when the Lord birthed the vessel out of ACF, Shay was still in this job. She was really good at what she did. She was honoring the Lord with her life. But faithfully, she walked away from that. She stopped her job and she walked away to that, to nothing. And then this past year, as we and the board was praying about what are our needs as the vessel, uh, we asked Shay to step into this role of this director of discipleship. And Shay's thought was, "I I can't do this I'm not good enough. I don't know what I had to value. But faithfully, she said yes to this role. And so when, when we have a call in our life and when the Lord comes and tells Mary, you're going to conceive a son out of wedlock and it's going to be Jesus, she responds with faith rather than fear. And Shay never said when she was doing that, Shay never said, oh, I can do this. This is great. I'm really good at this. Every time she said, okay, Lord, I'll walk this out in faith and I'll say yes to this with faith. And it all started with this idea of just being a mom. And she said, can I just be a mom? And we look at this story with Mary and we look at the calling that she has in our life. In a lot of ways, it's that same spirit of God is asking Mary to just be a mom. And it's not the way that she pictured It's not the way that she planned it. It's not what she was anticipating for her own life. And and when we think about these things is that God doesn't ask her, hey, you and Joseph, y'all need to go have a son, and then that son is going to be mine. No, God says this is what's going to happen. And and she was faithful, and she said yes to that. Now, if you know much more, if you remember from uh, this uh, early in this year when we talked about on on, – our series, what was it called? 12 Ordinary Men. And we talked about discipleship and relationship. We talked a lot about Mary and Elizabeth and their relationship. But this angel visits Zachariah before and tells Zachariah that his wife is gonna get pregnant and they're gonna have a son in their old age. And Zachariah responds in a way uh, that is different than Mary. He says, Zachariah says to the, says to the Lord, he says, um, Zachariah says to the Lord, he says, how does this happen? My wife is old. We can't have a kid. This is not going to happen. So Zachariah, when he responds, when he hears this calling from the Lord, he's, he responds with doubt. And this is very small, but when Mary responds to it, she responds with this idea of, yes, if it's your will be done. Um, in verse 20, uh, verse 34, excuse me, she says, how will this be? She says, since I'm a virgin. She says, how are you going to do what you're going to do? And she responds with faith uh, when the Lord asks her and calls her to do this. And so when we think about our own anticipation and what we're anticipating for our life, it's why we are called a vessel. It's why we say this is Vessel Collective Church. It's about emptying ourselves and being available and open to whatever the Lord is calling us to to do. So the last thing that he does is not only does he – Not only does he remind her about who she is, he calls her to what he's going to do in her life. And the last thing is, is that he encourages her. Is that Mary starts, and she feels worried. When this angel visits her, she starts out in verse 29. She says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And and she's troubled by this. It doesn't mean that she didn't believe the angel. It doesn't mean she didn't want to do what he was asking to do, but she was troubled. And so when Mary responds how will this be and how is God going to do what he's going to do in my life is that the Lord encourages her and he says this in verse 36 he says even Elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive and is in her sixth month and so the Lord then not only does he not only does he remind her of who she is Not only does he call her to what he's going to do, but then he encourages her. He gives her this little picture. It says, even your cousin Elizabeth, who is considered barren, is pregnant and in her sixth month. And um, when Shay taught on this this idea, she taught on this very scripture about Elizabeth and Mary and the relationship that they have and how the Lord brings friendships into our lives to encourage us, to sharpen us, to spur us on from the Lord. And so... um, in Luke 1, 41 through 45, then Mary immediately goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt within her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. If you remember, the Lord started off by reminding Mary who she is. She's highly favored. The Lord is with her and she is blessed. And then he uses her cousin Elizabeth to remind her of the very same things. Immediately, Elizabeth, when she sees her and the baby leaps with them, she says, blessed are you among women. She affirms that Mary is blessed. And she says, why am I so favored that, the, that, that you would come and visit me? She reminds me that she is highly favored. And she says that the mother of my Lord should come and be with me, is that God is with them, that God is with them in that moment. And so it's this sweet reminder that the Lord uses her cousin Elizabeth, to encourage her. This week on uh, Friday, often at the, sometimes at the end of my week, if I have time in the afternoon, I go to Pine House Pizza and work because it's one of the quietest places. There's no one there. And so on Friday uh, afternoon, I was going to work at Pine House Pizza. And that day, uh, some things had happened. And I was working through some stuff. Russ, do you have something to share with the group? I, um, I walk into Pine House Pizza And um, I'm struggling with what's going on. And I had some meetings that day and that week that I wasn't sure how to handle and what to do. And they were really weighing heavy on me. And I was thinking, man, what do I do? How do I respond? How do I lead through this? And I'm praying, I'm praying to the Lord as I'm driving a Pine house pizza. And I think, Lord, I need you to bring me someone. I need you to bring someone to encourage me. And I walk into Pine House Pizza, and there's Mr. Stephen Godfrey sitting all alone in a booth at Pine House Pizza. Right? Isn't that what the Lord does? Man, God knew I needed to sit down and talk to Stephen. The Lord brought him there to that point so that he can encourage me in that moment. And Stephen had a meeting later that day, and he had gotten there early, and he was doing some work and studying Over, you know, his meeting and what he's going to talk about. And he was there early. And he thought he was there early so he could work on what he was working on. But he wasn't. The Lord brought him there early to encourage me. And I walk in and I sit down and I share with him what's going on. and He tells me truth. He reminds me that I'm highly favored, that I'm called, that I'm used by God. He says, yes, you, you need to step into this. You need to be faithful to this. This is what God has brought you here for. This is why God has put you in this situation. I know it's hard, but this is what you God is calling you to do. And I want you to know how encouraging that was for me. And that's what the Lord does. And so I'm, as we close, I want you to consider this idea of anticipation and what you're anticipating. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up uh, and they do not have a song planned for the end, but that's okay. See, when, when you don't plan a song for the end, that means I get to choose. So if you guys would, if y'all would come back up here, and they're going to lead us out in this song. And uh, we're going to sing that song, Goodness of God, again. Because as we are worshiping this morning, there's a line in that song. Jacob, can you put the lyrics of that song up, buddy? It's the, it's the, it's the chorus of the song. And as, as Jacob is finding that, um, that's not the one. Go to the next one. Yeah, that's it. Um, so as we're closing you thinking about this idea of anticipation, here's what I want you to consider. I want you to consider what are you anticipating? Are you anticipating the plans and the life that you've laid out for yourself, all the things that you've done right, all the things that you've been successful at and what you want to do that, you, that is good, that is honorable, that brings joy to God or are you anticipating what the Lord is going to do in your life? Because the truth is, is that as good as our plans are and as much as we're hoping for these things in our lives, they hail in comparison to what God has called us to do. And if if anything from 2020 and COVID and the election and all the division within our country has taught us, it's that your plans are not secure. And that is a hard reality to understand that your plans are not as secure as you think that they are. And I'm tired of people waiting for 2020 to end, like that that is gonna be the magic pill that somehow January 1st is going to come, 2021 is going to be here, then we're going to be okay. Then things are going back to normal. They're not. They're not. The world is changing. The Lord is up to something. And so if we're sitting there in fear, just waiting for our plans to play out how we want them to play out, we're missing it. And we're not anticipating what God can do in our lives there's this commercial uh, on Hulu. I don't have regular TV, so I don't know if it plays. And it's this commercial where the devil, it's literally the devil, is on some sort of dating app, like Tinder, Bumble, something like that. And he gets a match and he matches up with this, this girl and it's 2020. And so the devil gets matched up. Have you seen that? Yes, Gary has. He gets matched up with 2020, and they go on this date, and they fall in love, and they're, like, feeding each other peppers, you know, because it's the devil in 2020. And they're enjoying through whatever means that how terrible this year has been. And then at the end, it's a Match.com commercial, and it says, it says, let 2021 be your year. But I want you to know we've been doing that. We've been waiting, thinking things will just go back to the way they were. Man, when this thing will happen or when this thing changes – everything's gonna go back to normal. And it's not. And that's a good thing. If you look at the landscape of the world around us and it feels like disaster and it feels like fear and you're anxious and there's despair, you're not looking at what God is doing because God is up to something. So let's stand. And and the reason, Jacob, you'll put those lyrics back up. The reason I wanna close in this song, it's a reminder of giving ourselves to God that everything that we are and everything that we're able is to, is to give to the Lord. So I'm going to pray and I want to close with this song um, as we think about what we're anticipating God to do. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.